<laughs> on that note. <laughs> so we're here today to talk about the Oscars on mm-hmm. our little podcast called A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff and I'm joined by Drew today. Good afternoon. Good and morning. S- yeah, wait, what time is it? Yep. Well, folks at home, it's evergreen. You'll never know what time we actually mm-hmm. recorded this. It's actually one in the morning. Simon is joining us. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, and we're here to talk about the Oscars, specifically Oscar snubs. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to begin, but I'll just start clearing my own my own head because we recently did just have the Grammys. And I heard someone say that when it comes to these awards, I don't think we should think of them this person said as like some sort of competition about which art is better than other art and which art is best art but that these awards are here for recognizing achievement and that gets (laughs) that gets kind of narrow fast because that just to me sounds like uh like a titanic situation or even a, a mad max situation or a lord of the rings return of the king situation like who's getting the most awards achievement in film and that just doesn't always like sure that works for the technical awards but it doesn't always work for best picture and and acting performances those are that's my thought that i'm just putting on the table here i i'm always amazed every year how worked up i get about all of this i cannot not resist it the drama the uh the feelings i get when my movie doesn't win i don't know it's maybe that's the simplified expression how are you both feeling about oscars well there's there's the classic meme where it's like the oscars are useless if i don't agree with them but they got it completely right if my favorite movie wins (laughs) the validation Um, of it all yeah but like that being said there's there's always such a weird the people that vote on the oscars it's always such a weird who are they why do they pick the things that they pick but then also why do production companies nominate the things that they do right why do people nominate people for things that they do and especially when things like harvey weinstein come out and you find out that for decades and decades this guy was just like manipulating stuff with his thumb on the scale depending on how he felt about certain people and yada yada it gets goofy and how much did studio marketing play yeah. into it i feel like the public is finally waking up to that yeah yeah all the for your consideration ads that actually get seen on social media now and not just in the mailboxes of academy voters right that's a whole thing actors go on campaigns for all of this and it feels like they have to play a sort of game in which they're pleasing the voters like you'll see I don't know what you're you're listening to this uh, episode, listener, but it's going into the 2024 Oscars. So Paul Giamatti's doing lots of interviews. Yeah. He's just <laughs> making himself visible. Uh-huh. Uh, and even uh, Davine Joy Randolph is just doing yep. interviews, being on podcasts and just doing the thing. But then at the same time, everybody's like, well, Oppenheimer's going to win Best Picture. So Holdovers <laughs> is going to get the, you know the best Oscar thing right. or the best actor thing. Right. Things, but. Another cynical thing I remember hearing is that sometimes voters or yeah, the Academy mm-hmm. thinking of their own image, maybe, and maybe even of the actual broadcast on television is which person do we want to see on the stage? Whose face do we want to see on a big TV screen? Who do we think will give the most charming acceptance speech? Mm-hmm. That's also playing into it. Yeah. But going on to what, like, what, like, Oscar snubs, 
and did our movie win? I think that if I analyze my own experience of watching many, 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 many Oscars, I have always watched every telecast thinking that there's only really one nominee that could be the wrong thing or person to give it to. And I'm pretty much happy with the other four. I've always found myself saying that. <laughs> it's when the Oscars just give it to that one fifth wrong thing. <laughs> just like, damn it. It's not even like I was rooting for one. I was happy for 80% of the nominees. Yeah. Uh, I think, I don't know. It's this year, there's a lot of things that. I look at the list of nominations and I'm like, why wasn't this nominated? Why wasn't this person nominated? Like, uh, what is um, all of us strangers? I really thought yeah. had a shot. Well, that one, it definitely. Okay, that one for maybe. Best... I know you don't like the ending, which we <laughs> I don't, don't have to like get the into. Ending. <laughs> but the performances seem to no, be. No, the performances were amazing, and also it's just kind of the best adapted screenplay category yeah. this year is bonkers because Barbie got shuffled into it. But like all of us strangers is actually based off of a book and the book is not great. Um, I couldn't actually finish the book, but the book is also straight and set in contemporary Tokyo, whereas the movie is gay and set in contemporary London. There's a lot of adaptation that happens and it's a great script. Mm -hmm. Like everybody in that theater got teary eyed several times, um, but then somehow it's not even nominated for best adapted screenplay or like. How to Blow Up a Pipeline was an incredible nonfiction book that got turned into an incredible movie. Fictional movie from a nonfiction book, just like Killers of the Flower Moon, right. doesn't get nominated. Right. <laughs> Another thing Oscar likes to do. Which, yeah, what made uh, money? <laughs> well, no, yeah, but they, they also kind of excitedly welcome folks back into a category fold because they mm. they had just nominated Paul Mescal what a year ago or two years ago so I thought maybe Paul Mescal would get another nom because as Amy Adams can tell you yeah. Oscars sure likes to nominate you multiple times <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so I was surprised there Drew what do you what are what's on what's on your mind right now what are you thinking about Oscars in general or even just this Oscars coming up so when we think about what's achievement versus what's every other element. I think that when you total it out, achievement doesn't actually mean anything concrete. Mm. Um, Take so that, Mad Max. I was thinking about <laughs> what's the first Oscars I remember. And it turns out the first Oscars I remember is 1985. Wow. So I went back to look at 1985. And in oh. 1985... The Color Purple had 10 nominations and zero wins. Yep, zero. <laughs> Not a single one. One of the highest amount. Like, yeah. I think only two other films have ever done that. And yeah. so when you think about like what makes up a movie, a mm -hmm. movie is a series of elements all working together in perfect coordination to communicate a message. And so when you have a combination of technical nominations and performance nominations, mm -hmm. um, and not a single one wins, and yet this film does stand the test of time. I rewatched it two years ago and was still astounded by Spielberg's ability to represent culturally what was happening and create the beautiful visions of the African return, and Whoopi Goldberg was outstanding in yeah. it. What does that mean when we say that these are awards for achievement? Something can be nominated like right. that. Right. Mm -hmm. S similarly, you know, when we talk about 
the Oscars like to bring people back and kind of build nomination history. Sometimes that doesn't add up to anything. Um, so <laughs> another thought I had going back to my childhood is my mother really loved Peter O'Toole. So consequently, I really loved Peter O'Toole. And I assumed that he had won quite a few Oscars. And it turns out that he had eight um, Best Actor nominations beginning in 1962 with Lawrence of Arabia, wow. which of course is how he always appears in my mind. Yeah never won any mm -hmm. and then in 2002 the academy in order to like i don't know acknowledge this man's immense body of work and talent said we'd like to give you a lifetime achievement honorary oscar and he said no thank you i'm not <laughs> done acting mm -hmm. i am still in my career please don't do this and they said whether you show up or not we're giving you this award oh man yeah so he shows up in 2002 a full 10 years before he stopped acting accepts this award, makes some jokes about being the biggest loser, goes on in 2006 to get another Best Actor nomination for <laughs> Venus, which he also loses. Uh -huh. So I have a very difficult time accepting that achievement in yeah. terms of either the, the, the object produced, the totality of the film, such as with the color purple, mm -hmm. or in terms of the specific category mm -hmm. means anything. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they always say it's an honor to be nominated. Mm -hmm. Uh, not if you get nominated eight times and have to accept an honorary one that doesn't tie to any of those actual achievements. Mm -hmm. Same with Cary Grant, I think. Several nominations, yeah. maybe not eight, but just gets lifetime. That's it. So. Oh, do you want to know something bananas? Yeah. Judy Garland never won a competitive Oscar. Judy Garland's got an honorary one for best juvenile performance for <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Judy Garland's never even won an Oscar for A Star is Born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She, I don't even think she got a Lifetime Achievement Oscar. I think the only one she ever got was that juvenile. Interesting. Like, not even a competitive one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And then, this is no disrespect whatsoever, but you see other folks like Katherine Hepburn with four. Yeah. To her credit, one of them is a tie with Barbara Streisand. <laughs> They're like, Barb, we loved you, but we also have to give her the fourth one for the lion in winter. Yeah. Gotta give it to Kate. Which I think like that's that's another important thing to establish like early on in this podcast. It's not necessarily that the other performances are bad. It's right. not necessarily that the movies that won are bad. I'm ignoring the elephant in the room. That is Crash. We're, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not that the other things are bad. It's just it's so wild to consider that something like the color purple hasn't won a single or didn't win a single oscar that judy garland didn't win a single right, oscar that right. glenn close has never won an oscar right yeah and and that's what we always do on the oscars is we yeah. we rehash and we relitigate and i've seen folks say why did color purple not win but out of africa did and yet or not only did it not win, it didn't win anything. Yeah. Or, you know, Al Pacino not winning an Oscar for Godfather Part Two, but Art Carney won it for a movie I've never even heard of. Um. <laughs> Another. Yeah, that's the 70s Oscars. When you have a murderer's row of amazing character actors mm -hmm. lining up Robert Duvall, etc. And they give it to sorry, Art Carney, but. Are you, are you? Is, is Art Carney even still alive to even potentially hear this podcast? Probably not, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <he's, laughs> that doesn't seem to have a lasting relevance. Yeah. I think Let's the. See. Uh... see, I know Art Carney from Star Wars, a holiday special. So oh, yeah. That's just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think I think that's fun though. I think my first Oscars that I remember in my brain would be 1993, which was a very glamorous Oscars and a year where I always think, wait a minute, did Philadelphia win that way, that year? Did the piano win? Oh wait, of course Schindler's List won, but it was a solid lineup. Well, if we're going to talk about your first childhood remembrance yeah. Oscars, I'm I'm going to reveal my age here, but no, mine is Crash winning best picture. Oh, oh that no. is that was it. 2006. Yeah, wait, was it 2006? Oh, it was the uh lineup of 05 and yeah, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and ceremony was February 06. Um, yeah. As a small child. Well, I was in high school, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cuz like Right, I never actually cared about the awards. And I think that year I watched because Jon Stewart was hosting it and I loved The Daily Same. Show. Um, shout out to that coming back, I guess. But I went to the main art and I saw Brokeback Mountain and I walked out yep. thinking that was the best film I'd seen all year. Yep. That movie is going to win every Oscar. Well, just to just to really hammer home how wild it is that Crash won Best Picture that year. First off, Paul Haggis had already won Best Picture literally the year before for Million Dollar Baby. Oh, is that the director or executive uh, producer? Director, producer, writer. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Million Dollar Baby, Clint Eastwood. Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So, like, if we're going on the whole thing that the Oscars are nominating people uh, in a, in a not in a vacuum, like, he already won. Yeah. He won last year. Now, he's up against Brokeback Mountain. Good night and good luck, Munich and Capote, and somehow amazing, amazing, <laughs> yeah. And like even in an interview immediately after the ceremony, he's just like, I, I don't, I don't know. I won again. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like was I the best movie this year? I don't know. <laughs> That's famously when Jack Nicholson announces it and expresses whoa disbelief into the microphone. Yeah, after he announces it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it goes both ways. So mm. like Crash today, looking back on it, yeah. looks differently than at least how the Academy saw it at the time. Sure. But we can also kind of look at the reverse. And one film that did that was Vertigo. Uh, oh, so yeah. in 1958, Vertigo gets kind of mixed reviews. It doesn't meet box office expectations. People say it's too long and too cluttered. Um, and it was nominated for sound and art direction. Okay fine um could have got costume but anyway yeah. i was about to say that and then i see it 30 some years later and i think kim novak's amazing i think the score by yes. bernard Hermond sure. like is so swirling and twisty and twirly like it is manifesting the art direction yeah. in sound edith head yeah, costumes edith head. Yeah. just like i really love this film um and it gets two re two re-releases one in the theaters in 1983 one where they um updo the print it looks so much better in 1996 mm -hmm. it's discussed a lot in all the film classes i go to for a variety of reasons and and looking it up to like see like okay what do we think now martin scorsese saw it when he was young and said even though the film wasn't received it, it stayed with me strongly mm -hmm. so it goes both ways like now we look at crash and go ooh, blah, ooh. right and now we look at Vertigo and go, wait, why? Mm -hmm. But in terms of social acknowledgement, it sort of made sense at the time. And maybe we're the ones with the misinterpretation, not the Academy at the moment, looking at it through the contemporary lens. Interesting, right. Because Vertigo in 2012 supplanted Citizen Kane as being ranked possibly the most important or greatest film of all time. 
and Citizen Kane famously loses, I think, to How Green Was My Garden or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, How Green Was My Valley. Yeah. And yes, we say Citizen Kane is good, but again, is that sort of after the fact? Are we also absorbing it and we didn't get it in 1942? I say that like all three of us were alive, right? But we get it now. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. I also, especially just speaking of sound score and like things that we recognize are iconic now versus things that you know at the time, whatever. Like Empire Strikes Back lost best original sound score to Fame, which is not that again. It's not that Fame is bad, but like right. people that don't even know Star Wars, yep. know the main themes to that movie. Yep, especially <laughs> Empire with the Imperial March. Yeah, yep. and then. Another strange Oscar year that's imprinted on my memory is uh, 2015 going into 2016 when it's uh, Birdman, Spotlight, and Boyhood. Yeah. And I remember thinking, surely Spotlight and Boyhood are going to walk away with everything, but apparently this little weird movie... See, see, this is the one where it's like, oh, the movie that was my favorite one, so therefore they got it right. <laughs> I will actually cop to saying that I really liked Birdman. Yeah. Uh, and then endured nine years of everyone telling me how bad it is and i i, I don't know no birdman's a delight <laughs> okay <laughs> this is a birdman pro yeah, podcast. yeah this is a pro birdman group of people I think. every movie podcast i listen to except literally the one we're recording right now is anti-birdman and i and i remember then remembering that oscars is like oh that was the wrong choice uh see i mean that's that's a movie that it plays with the history that happened outside of that movie in real life yeah. with Michael Keaton and everything. Mm -hmm. It plays with uh, reality, unreality. There's some really cool special effects in that movie, but also just what us, if we're going to talk about achievements, what a staggering achievement in acting, screenplay, blocking, editing. editing yeah. Cause you could argue that that movie looks like it was done all in one continuous long take and the amount of discipline that that took and all levels of making that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I'm. <laughs> and I've been, I've seen it being replicated much more after the fact. Yeah. So it has had some influence whether people will admit it or not. Right. <laughs> but then you have one of the rare instances in which a director repeats with an Arato winning that one and then he gets it again for uh the revenant the very yeah. next year remember that being a big deal yeah i don't remember the director's lineup in 2016 though but yeah same <laughs> true any more thoughts um so the the big obvious snub this year that everybody talks about is what nominations barbie did and did not receive that's the one and when it when it's seen as when it is worthy of many nominations, but the two people most associated with it are not nominated <laughs> yeah. for their work, director, director and, and lead actress. I, I, I was trying to think through what's, what's the most charitable reading mm -hmm. of why this, why this would occur. And mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have one for director because you know a director was successful, in my opinion, and obviously that's very limited um when there's a lot of other elements that all worked well together so when you're nominated for writing and you're nominated mm -hmm. for art direction and you're nominated for for an original song and you're nominated for some of your actors like mm -hmm. you as a director have made a series of decisions that have all coalesced in such a way that your film is very successful 
but not enough to get nominated. <laughs> Never mind. Uh-huh. But then I actually have, like, I've really thought a lot about the Margot Robbie nom- yeah. uh, lack of nomination either, especially when put up against America Ferreira for supporting actress and Ryan Gosling for his wonderful portrayal of Ken. Sure. So what's she not doing? Um, and I chewed on this for a really, really long time. And I think I finally came to my own conclusion just yesterday <laughs> um, when I was also thinking about Mickey Rourke's performance in The Wrestler, oh, which yeah. he did, which mm-hmm. he he won a Golden Globe for, mm-hmm. and at the Golden Globes, he thanked all of his dogs, both living and gone, <laughs> yeah. um, and was very emotional about his his fine collection of Chihuahua mm-hmm. mixed breeds. But anyways, <laughs> why did he not um, receive acclaim for it, for playing this extremely physical role? Well, the Mickey Rourke of it was that in 2008, he plays somebody with steroids and atrophy and heart failure and he's in pain. He's doing all of these physical things, but he fundamentally, the wrestler, doesn't have a huge emotional arc. Mm -hmm. There is a resolution, but it's not an emotive performance. And then I thought about Margot Robbie and everything that I loved about her in, in Barbie. And a lot of it is that she is manifesting stiffness and force of um, posture and artificiality. And she has to be this like constrained physical being to show you this is the plastic world. We're not actually humans. Mm -hmm. And then she has to carry it into the human world. Mm -hmm. Um, And she doesn't get a big emotive journey. She learns things. She progresses. She makes different choices. While Ken has a realization Mm -hmm. and and changes his um, emotional trajectory because of it. Mm -hmm. So... I really am disappointed that certain types of acting that are exhausting to do, Mm -hmm. and in the case of The Wrestler, have produced in me a huge emotional response, and in the case of Barbie, were fundamental to building the artificiality of the world, Mm -hmm. are not given the same weight as a lot of sobbing, (laughs) as a big explosion, as a moment of loss. Sure. You know? So, yeah. Yeah, I am going to casually remind the listeners if if they think that like, oh, the money is the reward or whatever. The the two people originally attached to Barbie were Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham. Right. If you don't think that Margot Robbie and right. you know, Greta Gerwig were fundamental for that movie being as good as it was. Right. They are not interchangeable. <laughs> no, no. That but Drew, your points remind me of how I felt about Leonardo DiCaprio winning for The Revenant, which I had very, very mixed feelings about Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like that movie gives him an arc. I think it just tortures him for two and a half hours Mm -hmm. and he gets really beaten up and then the movie's over. And then I think the folks, if you haven't seen The Revenant, that's The Revenant, uh, except for Tom Hardy giving a monologue about seeing God in a squirrel, which is great. Uh, But I think the Oscars are like, Leo, it's been long enough. You mm-hmm. get it now. That's, There's that's that cumulative effect. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. Like, this is for everything you've done. Which also yeah. undermines that we are re- we are awarding achievement. Is it, right. is, it, is it the total number of times we check, your bo- we check boxes saying we like this? Mm-hmm. Or is mm-hmm. it an actual thing that you did? Denzel, mm-hmm. we're sorry we didn't give this to you for X. Here you go for a training day. <laughs> yeah. Paul Newman, we're sorry we didn't give this to you for HUD or literally anything here it is for color of money uh-huh. well that kind of happens uh, i wonder when tony collette's gonna get her S- yeah. sorry yeah. <laughs> uh 
Because, yeah, speaking of things that the Academy just does not recognize. <gasps> Certain genres. Yes. <laughs> Certain genres. Um, generally, like, comedies. Because it's because it's especially horror, which you're hinting at, yeah, with, with heredity. But it is also comedy. Yeah. Like, Ugh. the fact that Gene Hackman didn't get nominated for Royal Tenenbaums. Like, but I when I say Tony Collette, I am speaking directly about hereditary the fact that that movie didn't get nominated for anything, the fact that she didn't get nominated for Best Actress, like, that's one of those ones that I think 20 years from now people are going to look back and be like, oh, they screwed up. They screwed up huge. You changed two elements in Hereditary to Mm -hmm. make them realistic, and you have a brilliant, dramatic performance by Colette that Mm -hmm. that just is astounding. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. it would just take two minor script changes to get it out of, the stratific the stratified ghetto that we put horror films yeah. in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> too witchy, too demonic. Uh no, not too demonic. The Oscars like demonic. They they liked well, Exorcist. Yeah, the Exorcist the was nominated. The yeah, well, right. Well, though what did it what did it actually win? It didn't win Best Picture. I think That's it right. won it only won Best Adapted Screenplay. That's correct. I don't yes. think it won any of the acting ones no, either. No, no, it's no, just, no, 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 no. For its, for its achievement. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the only one, though. Yeah. Yeah. Since then. I also remember, I don't know why I was so mad. I don't even remember what was competing that year, but I have a lot of memories around 1996 and the English patient, (laughs) which uh, seemed like the classic kind of boring Oscars movie that hasn't retained any relevance ever since. Yeah, that English patient, if I recall correctly, was also part of the Harvey Weinstein like Oscar oh, production and promotion machine. That's right. It's it kind of like, like that. 94 to 09. He's like, yeah. Rrr. So like when everybody thinks of the classic, like Oscars pictures from those years, like yeah. Shakespeare in love winning best picture over saving private Ryan mm-hmm. or American history X or like whatever. It's Harvey Weinstein with so his finger on the scales. We need like, an alternative <laughs> history. I know. Without, right. Without Weinstein. No. Somebody who's a, who's a better writer than me should just write that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow okay yeah julie binoche takes best supporting it also wins best picture of mm-hmm. course jeffrey rush won best actor that year for shine a thing i never remember yeah wow good on him yeah you also have some more notes folks on the table anything oh, else I we do. haven't covered I have more notes. <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean like swinging back to yeah. crash winning over brokeback mountain i am also right. going to talk about this year with Every literally every single online article where it was like, oh yeah, and then Strange Way of Life is going to win Best Short, duh, because what else is even going to get nominated in that category this year? And it doesn't even get nominated in that category. This is the Pedro Almodovar short film mm-hmm. with, with Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. And I even got to see this movie in a theater. That is, do you know how rare that is for not an art house movie? For well, like not even. Okay, sorry. Backing it up. Uh, Metro Detroit doesn't have a lot of art house movie theaters anymore. Um, so our opportunities to see short films that would be good enough to get nominated for an Oscar have tanked. Uh, but I literally got to see Strange Way of Life in like an MJR 
multiplex yeah. um <laughs> like in the middle of the day on a weekend like it was amazing that movie was great the other short film it was paired with also incredible mm-hmm. um but here you have a gay man doing a movie where he's like Brokeback Mountain wasn't queer enough it wasn't made with enough queer sensibility it wasn't you know and he's always talked for years about how he would have made the movie even gayer and here we have like the perfect half an hour incredible costumes absolutely gorgeous cinematography um I left that wanting to see the other hour of that movie sure not even nominated right and (laughs) you would think that you might want that nominated because you might want that even just from a broadcast standpoint, you might want that to win because you might want to see those two actors just walk up on stage, yeah. even if they don't talk. Yeah, Pedro <laughs> Almodovar is a hilarious dude. That, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and even as just like a long form apology for Brokeback Mountain right. not winning right. way back when. Right. <laughs> but here we are, 2020, 2024 now, and we still can't get a queer director getting nominated for a queer movie. uh, yeah (laughs) that invites me to clumsily make my way into just talking about the oscars eventually getting better if still awkwardly about inviting more international filmmakers under their banner as far as giving out recognition we uh we have bong ju ho and sure uh guillermo del toro alfonso coron there was all dudes exactly we have uh we have we have Anatomy of a Fall, yeah, directed by a woman, but yes. I don't remember whether or not that's not in the that is in the best picture category. That is in best picture. I but everybody's like, yeah, Oppenheimer's gonna win though, so which despite is despite the movie being eighty five percent in French, yeah. I don't and kind of German. Yeah. I don't know what the rules are. Right. <laughs> and we don't know what the rules are and anymore. We don't. Like especially because again, that goes back to what are the studios nominating and what are the production are companies putting into the categories to yeah. compete? Yeah. And what they fail to nominate impacts the people they do nominate. Yeah. So instead of being happy for Anatomy of the Falls director, mm-hmm. we go, huh, and what did Greta not do? <laughs> like, right. If you leave yeah. out something obvious, right. even the more subtle and perhaps just as worthy ones become more mm-hmm. suspect. Yeah. Yeah. And then it feels more like a, um, oh, what's the word? Like a token. Like the token woman director that got nominated for best direction, even though right. like, there was more than one woman this year that did a great job right. directing things. <laughs> I saw that conversation too. It wasn't so much that uh, Justine, I'll have to look up her, na- her yeah. last name. It's not so much that she uh, took Greta's spot. It was mm-hmm. that, well, we only have room for one woman, obviously. Yeah. Or, you know. I'm I'm gonna just keep on tooting this movie's praises. Uh, that's not even a phrase. Whatever, <laughs> listener. I'm tired today. Um, it's one in the morning. Yep. Uh, past lives, past lives. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Also Je- written and directed by a woman, and it was her first feature. And if they were gonna like, you know, oh, we know we're gonna give this to Christopher Nolan, but we're gonna acknowledge that this was an incredible first feature from somebody. Like that would be the movie to do it. <laughs> That movie, as far as what the camera's doing, as far as what the director's doing, mm-hmm. reminded me, and specifically only in this way, completely different movie otherwise, but reminded me of Lost in Translation mm-hmm. as far as nothing necessarily flashy is happening, yeah. but lots of interesting decisions are being made. Yeah. And also someone who gets, despite being a Nepo baby. Sofia Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, that, I don't know. Well, 
I just don't know. I just don't know how their brains work because yeah. Anatomy of a Fall was also extremely well directed. It was. And it, oh my God, it is it's actually. It's not like you all have to detonate a nuclear bomb to win a right. director, but apparently. Well, not even, okay, I'm going to say this is somebody who really loves special effects and really loves practical special effects. Oppenheimer, that explosion doesn't look that good. <laughs> like the 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 nuclear the quote unquote nuclear explosion in Godzilla minus one looks incredibly better than the one in Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, in both color and black and white. In both, yeah, better. and they had a team of like fifteen people for Godzilla. So, <laughs> but Godzilla minus one is the rare example of the cumulative effect yes. being a wonderful thing. It is the seventieth anniversary yeah. of Toho's original film, mm-hmm. and Godzilla got its first Oscar nomination for technical effects. Yeah, and I was like. <sighs> finally <laughs> there there is some good in the world like yeah. there is some directional movements by the mm-hmm. academy that are interesting mm-hmm. we're going to have best casting as a, yeah. as a category which is something that i have wondered about for a long time mm-hmm. um and then in terms of the genre exclusion issue you can compare um 2008 the dark knight mm-hmm. not being nominated for um, best picture just winning for Heath Ledger and I don't know sound or something and then 2018 you get Black Panther and it's nominated for the big categories mm-hmm. and you and you get the big the big wins um, for costuming and hair and makeup and an acknowledgement that Afrofuturism mm-hmm. creative yeah. technical as opposed to historically based technical yeah. awards um, you don't see a lot of opportunities where something is completely constructed out of whole cloth in science fiction or in a superhero type genre Mm -hmm. and the creative design element is just uniformly admired Mm -hmm. and and run with so yeah sometimes you get movement in the right direction and sometimes you don't (laughs) yeah uh 2018 an example of a roundup of best picture nominees that you could have given it to nine of them and i would have been pleased and it went to green book yeah pick out of a hat any of the other nine it would have been good it was such a good lineup yeah so i don't know how that happens uh oh um where was i gonna go how do we feel about that this is a tangent that 10 uh best picture nomination situation that's that is a wild change yeah and it's a what and it feels like something that almost would be better served by adding more categories or maybe more like honorary awards for which I realize they're doing that for Barbie this year because they're like this movie made 200 billion dollars like the special achievement in money made right like. right <clears throat> well uh, that's but. a whole other thing that I when I watch the Oscars and I see Tom Hanks come on and say did you know we have a museum in Hollywood <laughs> that you should visit uh all I really hear is Please, we need money, and please go to the movies. We like people going to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a whole thing. Another side tangent on that to get on, it's like, well, nah, when that happened in 2009, mm-hmm. expanding it to 10 Best Picture nominees, I saw that as twofold. Yes, in a way, allowing for movies like, quote unquote, like The Dark Knight to get nominated. But more so, I saw that as strategic because 2009, 10, 11, 12 was still of the era where people had their like Oscar bingo cards Mm -hmm. and they all wanted to go see them in the theaters and Mm -hmm. check them all off and see all 10. Wouldn't it be great if we get people to go see 10 movies in theaters, but now people don't go to the theaters. Right. 
but they don't yeah. go to the theaters anymore. So, but they are more likely it, to go to the move, go to the theaters right. for the big Oscar blockbuster films. Right. You know, yeah. like Barbie, that's like not Barbie, nominated right. in the in the enhanced larger best picture or, yeah. or best yeah. director. So, yeah, even even to the extent where expanding the total number of best picture nominees might free things up for more popular films. I'm mm-hmm. not sure it actually did that much. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think if Best Picture hadn't been expanded to 10 things, we would get nominations for something like Everything Everywhere All at Once. Which goes Which, on to win. Yeah. But also, like, we just had this conversation recently where it's like, I feel like the 2020 to 2022 era is when the slightly smaller movies, the movies you would have caught on streaming, et cetera, et cetera, were getting nominated and winning mm-hmm. Best Picture, Best mm-hmm. Director. And now all of a sudden this year it's no oh no we're back to the you know Oppenheimer, um. <laughs> sure, and those but movies like Coda and Everything All Everywhere All at Once kind of have an appeal to someone who could be in their twenties or early thirties, yeah, sure. and I do feel like the Oscars are like well maybe we're not going to be so yeah they're they're like okay we're back to not right. being super relevant great. <laughs> I have another side tangent, so let's just talk about art. No one can answer this question because I certainly can't, but music. We find a piece of music, classical or pop or whatever, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. We listen to it 30 times. Mm-hmm. We love it. It gives us dopamine. A piece of art on the wall, we can stare at it for hours. Uh, a book, we might be able to reread even. Um, and but I feel like there's been movies lately that I really feel like I can just watch once and I'll never want to watch it ever again. Yep. And I feel like a lot of those are getting Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. and They're just not sticking with me. I'll never need mm-hmm. to watch The Revenant ever again, nor nor would I want to. Are any of these films films that you actively enjoyed while you were watching them? Nominated this year? In general, these films that mm-hmm. you never need to see again and yet are receive accolades That's from the That's a Academy. great question because mm-hmm. sometimes they do feel like a chore that I do have to sit through <laughs> because I'm an Oscar obsessive and I just need to know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but, or, you know, in, but words again, listener, tired today. Um, 1 30 a.m. Yes. Uh, but like, Zone of Interest was incredible. Mm-hmm. I am never going to watch that movie again. I yeah. will recommend it to literally everyone that hasn't seen it. Right. That movie was amazing. I, I will never watch it again, though. <laughs> I cried in the car on the way home. Yeah. Like, it, it was mildly traumatizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like. <laughs> Like I drove home in absolute silence and stared at a wall for two hours. Like, <laughs> and yet, it was worth it. Yeah, but definitely never seeing it again. So that kind of falls into that. Yes, I I I liked it. I yeah. guess because sure. it was moving. And actually, one of my top five all time favorite films yeah. is Melancholia by Lars von Trier. Oh yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, I meet somebody where I'm like. I need to like have them see it. Do I need to see it again? Sure. Maybe not. No, nope. sure. <laughs> I think I think what I was getting to is that when I get angry at the Oscars, it's because there's a movie I find from a certain year that I feel like I'm rewatching a lot because I really, really enjoy it. Mm. And I've enjoyed it over the years. And I'm like, why in the year that it was nominated, did it not win? Mm-hmm. I think it has mm-hmm. great. I think it has specifically just this. I think it has great rewatchability <laughs> and i think that that's my own hang-up that maybe i have to get over but i always just think like well all these other art forms we return to often but 
it's kind of weird that we everyone put all their energy into making this movie and we're just going to watch it once i mean that also kind of that i guess play- that's the same with plays right I yeah i mean that also does kind of play into the you know what are we actually honoring at yeah. the oscars it's supposedly achievement but right. then there are things like vertigo that right. don't win but then several years later we're like no actually this was great right like i yeah <laughs> it's like the goodfellas uh dances with wolves argument right yep. <laughs> i can watch that movie a hundred times i've never watched dance with wolves ever again yeah uh and then you just see those movies pitted against each other mm-hmm. it's just you know no one has an answer for that yeah uh, going in this Oscars, uh, how are we feeling? Do we think Oppenheimer's just going to win it all? I'm yeah. choosing to believe that's not true, <laughs> so, that, so that I still can get excited to watch the Oscars. Oscars still surprised me. Like I, I did honestly think, despite how bad of a movie he was in, that Austin Butler was going to win for Elvis. Mm. Oh, speaking of snubs from this year, Priscilla, but um... yeah, Priscilla, Sofia <laughs> yeah. Coppola. Uh, but you know, I. I don't know. I um, I think like most of the surprises for the Oscars this year, again, hasn't happened yet. If Oppenheimer doesn't win something, I'll be like, oh, whoa, cool. But like Godzilla even getting nominated was a huge surprise even to the studio. <laughs> and they appropriately celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If you haven't seen the video of the special effects team for Godzilla minus one finding out that they were nominated, a, you could fit everyone in that special effects team around a tiny conference room table. Take that, Marvel. Yeah. And, well, the nobody was compensated well oh, in that no. movie. That's part of the problem. But the uh, also the fact that they all had their own little personal Godzilla figures watching yes. the TV, too, was very cute. But, right, the holdovers, yeah. right? Like, I'm, I'm stoked for Paul Giamatti. I'm stoked for Devine Joy Randolph. Like, that movie was one of... It was like that and Godzilla... Uh, were my two favorite like I would rewatch these again I love these these performances are great they are interesting like the holdovers is going to be like a yearly watch between Thanksgiving and Christmas for me for like the next I don't know 15 years um yeah so like those things I'm I'm stoked for I'm tempted I'm tempted to to go through just the top six categories real quick and make our guesses okay I'm sure let's just let's just make our guesses (laughs) all right and best actor Bradley Cooper from Maestro no. <laughs> Coleman Domingo for Rustin. Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. I hope so. Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. I mean, the the other thing that you have to keep in mind is what the Golden Globes went to. And if the Academy knows what the Golden Globes went to and went, oh, well, Paul Giamatti won a Golden Globe. So we can give it to Killian Murphy now. Yeah, there's, there's should and will. And, right. and will is Killian Murphy. And I look forward to seeing his dazzling visage on stage. So there is that. Yeah. I think it's going to go to Paul Giamatti because he'll give the better acceptance speech. I think that's... Well, and also he didn't win for what? Sideways? Right. Yeah. And Sideways didn't win Best Picture. So that'll be another consolation prize if it goes to... Well, not really because, again, that movie was great. But Best Actress, we have Annette Bening in Nyad, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller in Anatomy of a Fall. Carrie Mulligan and Maestro and Emma Stone and Poor Things. There's no way it doesn't go to Gladstone. What? I'll, really? I'll, I'll say it. I'll yeah. stand on it. All right. I think the I think the other big contender for that category this year is Emma Stone. Yep. But it's between the two. That being said, also the only reason why there's not an Oppenheimer in that category is because there are no women in that movie. <laughs> My only worry for 
Gladstone, not this is a slight spoiler for Killers of Flower Moon, is that it is a three hour movie in which you basically I think she's sidelined for the entire third act and it's almost a supporting performance. I'm worried that might hurt yeah. her. That's Scorsese's fault, not hers. She's yep. incredible in it. Yeah. Uh that I think it's it is literally fifty fifty. Emma Stone, Gladstone. I have no idea what will happen. Yeah. Actor in a supporting role, Sterling K. Brown in American Fiction, Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling in Barbie, Mark Ruffalo in Four Things. I, I mean, I think it's going to be Robert Downey Robert Jr. Robert Downey yeah. Jr. with Oscar saying, you've earned it. Yep. You came back. You you've achieved sobriety and you've yeah. been in several amazing movies. You made us a like, million dollars with yeah. billion dollars with Marvel movies. Right. Here you go. Drew? American Fiction was a great film. It, it is. Sterling K. Brown is so good. It's really yes. enjoyable. And Sterling K. Brown contains depths. Yep. Mm-hmm. And... I I this is the one this is one where I'm choosing to believe that the that the common knowledge of Oppenheimer sweep is is not accurate mm-hmm. because out of all of those performances I really do think Sterling K Brown does the most. Well see, yeah. now we're getting into the interesting concept of pre-snubs. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, no, I agree with you. You know, somebody other than Robert Downey Jr probably, but Actress in a supporting role, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, uh, only in 20 minutes of it. Yeah. Uh, said, sorry to editorialize. Yeah. Daniel Brooks, The Color Purple, America Ferrera and Barbie, Jodie Foster and Naya, Davine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. I think this is a runaway yeah. with Davine Joy Randolph. I hope so. She was, in, she was incredible in that movie. But that being said, I mean, it's interesting that you say only in 20 minutes of it for uh, Emily Blunt and Oppenheimer because yeah. I think the shortest performance for Best Supporting Actress was... Um, Crap, I'm forgetting her name, in but network, she was in Network. For yeah. eight minutes. She was eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would make the case that Patti Lapone was snubbed for Bo is Afraid mm. for this category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say Emily Blunt because she's miserable in that film. Yeah. And yep. shows very different ways of being deeply unhappy with her lot in life. Yeah. And uh, the Oscars tend to like women who do that. Yep. Interesting. Best director we have, Justine Treat, Anatomy of a Fall. Martin Scorsese, Killers of Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Yorgos Lanthimos in Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest, which is Jonathan Glazer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to anybody but Christopher Nolan, but it's this is know. a this is an anybody but situation. Yeah. Did no Yorgos was nominated for? Yeah, I don't think Yorgos has won anything yet. The favorite, yeah. but did not win. Yeah. I'm afraid this one's locked. Yep. For Nolan. Yeah, it's Nolan. And then we have uh, the best picture. <laughs> American Fiction. Great. Yeah. Anatomy of Fall. Great. Barbie. Great. Holdovers. Great. Kills the Flower Moon. Pretty great. Maestro. Uh, good. Eh. Oppenheimer. <sighs> Past Lives. Great. Poor Things. Great. Zone of Interest. Great. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be, I mean... It's probably going to go to Oppenheimer, but that would be one where if anything other than Oppenheimer or Killers of the Flower Moon won, I would be happy. And those are the two front runners, I believe. (laughs) Those are the two front runners. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go hard in the paint for past lives. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. Um, Yeah. If it's anything other than Oppenheimer, then it was worth staying up really, really late. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. I have to stay up till the very end, Mm -hmm. even though I am prepared to experience disappointment. Yeah. What if it went to past lives? Oh. Like, <laughs> or what if it went to zone of interest? Because like I'm saying this as someone who 
a thousand percent loved past lives. Mm-hmm. But you can also tell when Oscars has like ten nominees and like there's clearly one that Oscars views as tenth place. Yep. <laughs> and I yeah. really feel like everyone's just looking sideways at past lives. Yeah. Man, if that one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, that's another yet again, like John Magaro in that in past lives, not even getting nominated. It's like, yeah, no, this isn't another performance that has layers similar to Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. yeah. Well, like layers and subtlety mm-hmm. and more of a like small s yep. story type yep. of performance. I feel like that's another thing that generally gets snubbed by the Academy. You know, the daily important thing is that we watch what we like and we find yeah. our favorites and that gives us, you know, emotional catharsis or serotonin, whatever the experience of viewing them gives us. And we get to say, yeah, that one's now one of my new favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Despite what the Oscars said. Guess what? Uh, oh, every, yeah. Yeah. Everything except the Netflix only ones. Um, if they're coming out on DVD, we will get them at the library. I was you just going to check say, them out. <laughs> It's just going to say, it does seem like it's getting trickier trickier, and trickier to, to yeah. get these films on a more timely basis. Not to yeah. criticize the industry or anything, but... Uh, I will. I fully. would just <laughs> say that... I think I would say that your library and your librarians like Simon are doing their darndest to yeah. get these so that you can watch them. Just recent example, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which got nominated for a pile of Oscars, and suddenly everybody was like, oh, do you have this on DVD? Blah, 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 blah. I could not get it until a year after its initial release date on Netflix. It is now finally on DVD. It is on our new shelf. Mm-hmm. Blu-ray and DVD. Criterion Collection put it out. Right. And then they, it just kind of sits there. Maestro, I believe, is a Netflix. Yep, it sure is. So we might not have that one. Yep. Oh, Anatomy of a Fall just got announced okay. with a disc release today, but it's not coming out until May. Man. Yeah. But at least it's <laughs> But at least out. it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, also shout out because... Uh, Folks should be hearing this just in time for a library program that we're going to have here, too. Right, Drew? Right. Yeah. On Wednesday oh, yeah. the 28th, um, as cinema buff and lecturer Greg Black is returning uh, to talk about the Best Picture nominations. He's going to show the trailers for all of them, and he has some insightful um, analysis of it. If you have questions, you, he's open to answering them. We had a really great time last year with him. I'm sure it'll be really great this year, too. And Greg is fun because you can raise your hand and uh, go off on tirades just like we went on. <laughs> Within reason, folks, because we got to keep that program moving. Uh, more information about that in our show notes, of course. Thanks for listening to us rant about the Oscars. And remember to visit your local library, especially our library. Also remember that we're doing our darndest, and sometimes Netflix doesn't release these damn things. Yeah. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you as always by the friends of the Ferndale Library. A shout out, of course, to our local musician, John Duffy, who gives us intro and outro music. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and just keep visiting your local libraries. We'll see you at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>